0: Welcome to Homestead Gardening in the Texas Gulf Coast with Kristen Howard. Today's episode will cover late winter and early spring pruning and we'll deep dive into pruning and caring for roses at this critical time of year. For a visual aid to this podcast episode you can watch me live prune and clean up the rose garden in this week's YouTube rose pruning episode. It is now the 1st of March, and in the Houston area, we are moving into spring by the end of February through early March. Although we have some cold snaps here and there during that time, most of our spring budding or blooming plants are shaking off the winter chill and noticing the warm days Houston always has to offer. Houston is unique because we don't have a true winter where our plants are permanently dormant. Some years they wake up early or never go dormant at all. This past year, we had such a late cold front that many of our spring-blooming plants flushed out in December, which may reduce some fruit and flowering opportunities in the coming months of spring. No matter what happens with the ups and downs of Houston weather, when it comes to gardening chores, we still need to pinpoint a time to schedule our garden cleanup to get ready for spring and our winter pruning. Some of the most common things to prune this time of year in the garden include shade trees and other ornamental woody trees and shrubs. Now, I've been told by many of my clients that work with me, I'm not always speaking the same language as they are when I'm talking about plants, gardening, and landscape design. So for this conversation today, when I refer to woody ornamental trees or shrubs, I'm referring to plants that have woody stems, that although these stems are alive, They can go dormant during winter and do not die back to the ground. These plants may keep their leaves, which is called an evergreen, or they may lose their leaves, which is called deciduous. Some examples of woody ornamental trees or shrubs include oak trees, stone fruit trees like peaches or plums, and rose bushes. In fact, these three types of woody plants have or will be featured in my YouTube channel. The video on pruning stone fruit and roses is already ready for you to watch and live oak pruning will be posted later this season. Timing is pretty important for pruning woody ornamental trees and shrubs because when we prune, we are wounding the plant and leaving that wound exposed to potential pests and diseases. Pruning is different than trimming. Pruning removes large limbs and therefore leaves large wounds. Trimming removes small branches or is used to clean up dead parts of the plant. Removing dead parts of the plant or trimming to shape the plant can be done at any time of the year. Removing dead parts of the plant is very important to reduce the spread of death from whatever pest or disease may be killing that section of the plant as well. I would say there is a good 2-3 to month window to prune a lot of landscape shrubs, but the timing on many garden plants is a bit more specific. For example, shade trees are best pruned during cooler months when pruning a large limb because this reduces the pest and disease exposure at that wound. However, most people trim their trees yearly, and pruning is reserved every few years or longer to manage branches that aren't desired for the overall shape. Trimming a shade tree usually means the interior of the tree is getting cleaned up so more light can reach both the interior of the tree and the ground below. The timing to prune some fruit trees is more critical or urgent than others. For example, I have not finished pruning all of my stone fruit trees, but I started with the earliest blooming varieties and will finish the rest later this week. You can see that video on the YouTube channel as well. While we're on the subject of stone fruit, I'm going to tangent a bit to give you the inside scoop on how to select the right stone fruit variety for you by explaining how this plant fruits. The earliest fruiting varieties of stone fruit trees are also the earliest blooming varieties, and these have the lowest chill hours. They are also awakened from dormancy much quicker, and you can find trees with as low as 200 chill hours in the Houston area. Houston has a range of 350 to 450 chill hours per year, unless we have an unseasonably warm winter. So if you're shopping for peach, apricot, plum, or other stone fruit trees this year, make sure you research the number of chill hours that fruit will have and then compare to the chill hour range for your area. If the chill hour range for the tree is outside of your area's typical range, meaning if it's outside of that maximum chill hour amount, then you're actually not going to get any fruit from that tree ever. I used to only plant peach trees that fruited in June because that's when I was less busy with work and those trees happened to have a higher chill hour range of about 400 to 600 hours, just on the edge of what Houston can handle. Because I didn't really understand how Houston weather worked. After a warm Houston winter and no fruit the following year, I learned that planting a range of chill hour trees allowed me to guarantee fruit from at least a few trees each year, even if the weather in Houston wasn't ideal. Now, for roses, pruning is pretty specific for the type of rose, and the timing is important as well if you're trying to uphold best practices for taking care of roses. And that's our primary focus today. Competitive rose growing and competition rose showing are surprisingly complicated activities if you want to be successful. There are three main groups of roses, including wild roses, old garden, and modern roses. Most people own modern roses, and these are the roses you're going to find at big box retail stores. My favorite place to buy roses, though, is from Brenham, Texas, at the Antique Rose Emporium. The service is not amazing over the phone with this place, but once you show up, there is always someone on staff that can help get you the rose you're looking for. Plus, they offer roses from all three categories, and those roses are not grafted, which means if for any reason your rose dies to the ground because you made a mistake or it got sick, you can return it from the roots as the same rose that you were meaning to grow. A grafted rose, however, will return from the roots as the type of rose that was used below the graft. Usually this is a rose you don't want in your garden because they're extremely aggressive or too thorny. For competition rose growing, the categories of roses include roses before 1867, which include tea, china, noisette, and some climbing roses, and roses after 1867, which include hybrid tea, grandifloras, floribundas, shrub roses some climbing roses, mini-flora roses, which may also be referred to as ground cover roses, and miniature roses. Since I'm a landscape designer, I'm going to ignore these competitive rose categories and focus on the three shapes of roses that you're going to find in a typical landscape garden. Our three landscape designer shape categories that relate specifically to roses we're going to find in your home landscape include the shrub rose, the ground cover rose, and the climbing rose. Let's start from the very beginning, when you first plant your rose. A newly planted rose doesn't necessarily need to be pruned heavily if you buy it in spring right before you plant it because the odds are really good that the grower has already pruned this for you because that is the time of year everyone pruses their roses and this is the main time of year roses are released for purchase. However, if you buy a rose before or after spring, you need to follow some of my care tips that we'll be discussing. A rose purchased in fall will need to be pruned in spring if you didn't prune it when you planted it. I prefer to plant my roses or move or transplant my roses in fall in order to allow them to establish and grow a larger root system before the Houston area gets really warm. When I do this, I break the rules and prune early in about November or December when I'm transplanting. Because Houston doesn't have a hard winter, rule breaking in this climate is sort of okay. Plus, when I transplant a rose, it really does need to focus on growing roots, and relieving the plant of that top growth helps it to establish. Anytime I've moved or transplanted a rose and not pruned it right away, this has resulted in the rose dying about one year later. So keep this in mind. I do encourage you to watch my YouTube episode on planting, which is a different episode than I mentioned previously because if what I've told you makes you nervous, you'll see that that's no big deal. Anytime you plant or transplant a rose, no matter what time of year it is, you want to make sure your soil drains well. To check if you have soil that drains well, dig your hole, fill the hole with water, and watch and see. If the water doesn't budge or it drains really slowly over the course of an hour, you don't have soil that drains well. If the water drains right away, then either you have very sandy soil, or very loose soil that drains extremely well, or you have a mole problem like I do, and if you live in the country, that might be the case. Houston and the surrounding areas have a wide range of soils, but we all have a high water table as we move closer to the coast, which is also a problem. Most of my advice when planting roses is to pick a high spot in this area so that the water can drain, or plant it in a raised bed with rose-specific soil that drains really well. If that isn't an option for you, you can amend or begin to fix poorly draining soil by adding compost to the soil and backfilling your hole with rose soil. You can even plant the root flare of the plant a little higher and slope the soil to the root ball. You can use mulch to level the top so no one is the wiser, and just make sure that you don't create a solution where your plant can't anchor into the native soil eventually, with the root system, or get watered properly if you have a drip irrigation system. If you have been following me for a while, you'll know my favorite phrase that you love to hate is, it takes a $5 hole to grow a $1 plant. I'm not saying that if your rose costs $20, you need to spend $100 on soil, but you need to have a budget for soil, mulch, possibly the raised bed, and fertilizer. By the way, you should fertilize your roses in spring and fall with a rose-specific fertilizer or a custom homemade blend fertilizer. But I recommend that you fertilize also if you're planting at a different time of year than these two instances, at least with a liquid fertilizer to help the plant get a boost and start really growing that root system. The best liquid fertilizer to grow roots going to be something that's going to act as a soil conditioner or going to increase microbial activity under the soil it's not going to be a type of fertilizer that's going to support the top growth of the plant you're really focusing on that bottom under the soil portion now that your rose is planted and made it through spring the fun part begins let's talk pruning pruning as i've mentioned before is different than trimming trimming can be done at any time of year to remove dead or diseased branches, or to remove spent blooms. Removing spent blooms is called deadheading, but if these spent blooms are not removed, they will turn into rose hips with seeds, or they will die from the end all the way down to the next leaf. Pruning, as I've also mentioned before, is best done at a time of year when pests and diseases are at a minimum, and leaf buds haven't popped open. For Houston, this date on the Houston Rose Society's calendar is February 14th, But that happens to be the most inconvenient weekend every single year for me. I have over 50 roses and I start pruning as early as February 10th and finish by the end of the first week in March. When I'm on a roll, it only takes about 1-2 to minutes per small rose and 5-7 to minutes per larger or thornier rose. I usually juggle my pruning based on the weather and based on the time I actually have in my schedule. I also use what I trim for other activities, like rose propagation, so my slow progress is strategic so I don't regret having so much work all at once. For most homes that have 5-10 to roses in a typical landscape or front yard, this should be very quick work that you can do in one day, including the pruning, bed clean-out, fertilizing, and remulching. The tools you will need for this activity include a pair of gauntlet-length leather gloves or leather gloves and a heavy jacket that will cover the rest of your arms. You will also need a pair of bypass pruners and a sharpener. Rubbing alcohol will be needed to clean the pruners between your plants. So before you move on to the next plant, those pruners need to be cleaned. If you have taller roses, you may want a ladder or a step stool. And if you have older roses with thick, Canes, you may opt to use either a pruning saw or loppers, which are basically large bypass pruners. More expensive brands make different handle shapes for bypass pruners, and if you have weaker hands or small hands, you may want to look online for a handle shape that fits specifically for your hand. Most bypass pruners that you can find in stores are a standard size that are better for men's hands, which means this size can be very tiresome to use for people with smaller hands or weaker grip strengths. I buy whatever I find in stores, which is probably the real reason why it takes me weeks to finish pruning. To start pruning a shrub rose, you begin by removing dead canes, then look for diseased canes. After that, remove any canes, that are laying on the ground that may become diseased or covered up with mulch, which is pretty rare for a shrub rose, but that happens a lot with a rose in its first year when everything's very small and flouncy. Next, remove interior canes, because those leaves will cross the exterior canes eventually, which also may promote disease. Now, stand back and see what you have left to work with. My shrub roses usually start with 12 to 15 canes, including those that are dead and alive, and I remove enough to leave me with 5-7 to canes. This seems really excessive, removing 50% or more of the canes, but the shrub speaks for itself. The habit of the cane growth sort of determines its shape, so look for canes that will be able to have the best chance for next year. If you can keep more than 5-7 to canes, do it, but don't do that if the canes aren't viable. The way to determine viability of the remaining canes is to look at whether or not the canes are crossing. Removing a cane that crosses another is the next step. After you have ensured all of your remaining canes are viable at least at your first glance, then we have to make hard decisions. We have to prune a portion of the remaining canes. Estimate the length of the cane and plan to remove about 30% of the length from the top. Look for a bud around that 30% mark that faces outward away from the center of the plant and away from other canes that you plan to keep. Cut just above the outward facing bud and make sure your cut is at a 90 degree angle to the cane, meaning a straight cut. Do this for all the other canes. Now we can get pickier. You'll notice I've been saying canes and not branches, right? That's because a cane is the main stem running from the base of the plant and those canes have branches too. We want to remove any branches that are less than a pencil width in diameter. So if you have a new rose, you may find that all of your canes and branches are less than a pencil width in diameter. So be more conservative and keep your canes if it's the plant's first year or maybe even second year to grow. In that first year, focusing on removing dead material, trimming, and fertilizing, and waiting for heavier pruning the following year is a better call. After this, clean up any grass, weeds, leaves, or whatever other debris you might be hiding at the base of your plant. Add fertilizer in a ring around the root zone of your plant, not the base of the trunk. Add compost if your soil needs improvement. And of course, add mulch on top to keep your fertilizer in place. I usually fertilize right after a rainstorm, not before. But if you have not had rain recently when you fertilize, give the plant a deep drink of water before you fertilize, and then wet the mulch on top after you fertilize and mulch everything. That's it. That's how easy it is to prune a shrub rose. So what's the difference between this pruning method and pruning ground cover roses and climbing roses? Well, mainly the severity of the pruning and the timing. Ground cover roses are much smaller, just like a first year shrub rose. Canes are smaller in diameter and you may only need to trim a ground cover rose for a few years until it gets out of control, which may require heavier pruning at that time. For me, the first time I ever pruned my ground cover rose was at the five-year mark after it was planted. I only deadheaded the rose before that point, meaning I removed spent blooms, and then I removed dead material and diseased leaves each year or throughout the season. Eventually, though, by not pruning my ground cover roses more heavily each year, it made it difficult to clean up under the rose, and dead leaves and weeds were getting trapped inside the rose along with dead canes and other branches that were getting sick. This made the rose get sick overall much more easily. This spring was the first spring I did a heavy pruning on my ground cover roses. I followed the shrub rose guidelines for the most part. The difference was that I had to prune a little more than 30% To really clean up the mess and this was just something I had to do for my personal roses. Your situation might be very different. You may not need to do 30% removal at all. Additionally I removed all canes that were low to the ground or running along the ground because those ground cover roses were being used in the landscape beds not in the raised beds where drainage was more ideal. The areas where these ground cover roses were planted hold more water and this causes even more disease or stress. Most of my ground cover roses also are semi-evergreen, meaning that they keep a lot of their leaves year-round, and even in the winter and cool season, they keep a portion of those leaves. The leaves that were left were yellow and diseased, so I removed all of those leaves and made sure they were removed from the landscape bed too. Finally, I was more strategic with my cuts above the outward-facing bud. I looked for buds that weren't pointing down into the ground and tried to encourage branching going out and up, to avoid some of my disease problems that I mentioned before from happening again. Ground cover rose pruning is just like shrub pruning, but obviously on a miniaturized scale, and of course, usually we have ground cover roses in a designed landscape, so we have to be more mindful of what that landscape is going to look like after we prune these roses. To see my heavy pruning of my ground cover roses and see how they bounce back later this season, Follow me on Instagram where I'll post regular updates on how all of my garden plants are progressing. Last but certainly not least are the climbing roses. Climbing roses are actually not pruned this time of year. They're pruned right after their spring bloom. And if you have climbing roses that bloom both fall and spring, you can prune those in fall instead or in addition to spring. In Houston, with our fall season mimicking spring, we tend to have a double bloom period for all of our climbing roses. So let's talk about how to clean up the climbing roses to get ready for spring, how to get a good bloom from a climbing rose, and how to prune once it's time to do that. First, remove dead and diseased canes or branches and deadhead any spent blooms or rose hips, just like with any other rose. Next, you want to secure the canes of your climbing rose to a desired shape or habit for optimum bloom. In order to do this, you may remove more canes so you can avoid crossing canes in an overpacked trellis or fence. Whatever you've decided to grow your climbing rose on, you still don't want a lot of congestion. To secure the cane, you want to make a bend at about 45 degrees or so, as low as you can on the cane without breaking it. The bend signals to the plant that the cane should flower, and anything beyond that bend will flower. If your bend is too high, only bud locations beyond the bend will flower. So if you have a tall straight trellis, you will need to bend the cane low and then you can train the cane straight up for maximum blooming. If you have a fence line, this training task is much easier as you can have a gentle bend down into the fence. After that task is complete, remove any debris below the plant, fertilize, improve the soil if needed with compost, and mulch. After the climbing rose blooms, which is about two to three months after your shrub roses get pruned, you can repeat the steps above. Just add the step where the canes are going to be pruned about 30% or more if needed. And you will not need to fertilize again until the six month mark after your spring cleanup and fertilizing so that your fertilizing timing is only every six months, both spring and fall, just like your shrub roses. Pruning is probably the easiest spring rose garden chore. Garden cleanup is far more extensive and takes about as much time as the pruning. Leaf and weed removal is critical for a rose garden. Many gardeners like to leave leaves in their gardens, but in Houston especially, leaves retain fungal diseases and spread these to more susceptible plants like roses. Even leaves that are from other plants like shade trees will spread fungal issues like black spot and make your roses very ugly in spring right away. I encourage you to either cover your garden leaves with a layer of mulch which keeps the leaves in place and completely covered if you want to leave them in your beds or move all the leaves out of the beds to a designated composting location in your yard where they can't blow around. I have my leaf composting area underneath a suncloth, which will allow rain and air in but will not allow the leaves to blow away. Mulching is one of the last chores I do for spring garden cleanup because it takes so many iterations of leaf removal from the beds until I'm satisfied, and then I can put that mulch on top and feel pretty secure. In a nutshell, everything I covered in this podcast is the only care I give to my roses, besides the once-weekly watering if it's not already raining in Houston. Roses are extremely easy to care for when you're proactive about caregiving at the right times of year and focused on preventing diseases instead of treating diseases. As a reminder, the visual aid for this podcast is on the YouTube channel, and this rose pruning episode is very helpful to see. In this episode, I show and talk you through making the harder pruning decisions so you can understand my thought process as I go through the steps, and you can watch my example shrub rose evolve as it gets pruned and cleaned up to really see how drastically the pruning technique is. As an added bonus, I include lots of images from my garden roses in full bloom so you can see what you have to look forward to in spring after pruning. I also have a link to my blog which will include the Houston Rose Society's home blended rose fertilizer. Blending your own fertilizer at home is a much cheaper option if you have a large rose garden like I do. I use this fertilizer blend for many of my other blooming and fruiting warm season vegetable plants as well. Thanks so much for learning with me today. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. And if you aren't already a rose enthusiast, I encourage you to become one soon. If you have any other questions, keep in mind that I do a complimentary Q&A on Fridays, exclusively on my Instagram account. Q&A Fridays are a great opportunity for basic questions or clarifications on topics from past podcasts or YouTube episodes. And your question and answers are shared with other followers. If you need more in-depth consultations for your garden, I offer phone consultations and on-site property consultations, including landscape and site planning design services. You can visit my website at ProLandscapedesign.com to learn more about services and options that are available now.